This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050. You people, with him? you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. I'm just about that action, boss. Oh, yeah! Best intro on radio. Welcome back to Toronto Today here at TSN 1050. TSN1050.ca, the iHeart Radio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you for another hour until 1 o'clock. Then Scott MacArthur takes over. Still to come on the program, fantasy football talk, baby. It's coming. Rich Dotson, founder of DynastyNerds.com. This guy's one of the finest fantasy football minds out there. Get you ready for your fantasy football draft. That's going to be coming up at any moment, whether it's for the office, whether you're going to be playing daily, league, auction draft, snake draft, whatever. Rich Dotson's going to have us covered. We're going to do today. It's going to be a two-parter. We're going to have Rich Dotson today, and then Jake Seely from uh, formerly Fantasy Network, the athletic fantasy side. On uh, we're going to go through the position groups and rank them. So today with Dotson, it'll be quarterback, tight end, and DST, defense and special teams. So the top three and then a sleeper. Because there's nothing worse if you're in a fantasy football draft and you pick like six. You're in the middle. Five, six, whatever. And you see the top three guys at a position going, oh, well, what the heck do I do now? So we'll help you out. We're going to help you out. And you can tweet in any of your fantasy football questions to at AndyMC81 and at DynastyRich. So that'll come up at about 1220. We're going to have Travis Yost. On TSN.ca Hockey Analytics, uh, Analytics Analyst, he's a regular on the TSN Hockey Analytics Show, which starts up at the end of September each year that I host, and uh, we'll chat with him in a few minutes on defensive possibilities for the Maple Leafs. I'm going to ask him the PK Subban question, the Twitter poll we put out there. But if that doesn't happen, or that can't happen, value, maybe boring players, stay at home guys. Something to help solidify that back end. If you can't have a true number one, then maybe you go and try to go the other way. Tighten it up at the back end there. And give Freddie Anderson, whether it's Sparks or McElhinney, whoever the backup is, as much help as possible. So we'll get to that with Travis Yost in uh, just a moment or so here on the station. But let's get to some of your reaction to our Twitter question, and it is... Uh, at TSN 1050 Radio, at Andy MCD1, the poll question, would you like to see the Leafs acquire P.K. Subban? Here's a little bit of background that you need. It's not the straight up. It's at the start of the 2019-2020 season. The Nashville Predators, where Subban is now, will have $25 million committed to defensemen, and they'll need to re-sign Roman Yossi. Yossi's going to be due for a payday, so you top another probably 5 mil on that. After signing Ryan Ellis to a big extension yesterday, Subban may be the odd man out. He's 29 years old now. Maybe he can be a missing piece if for the Maple Leafs you're able to send. And I'm just, I love William Nylander, but I'm just using him as a, a possibility. Give some more scoring punch to that Preds front six. And then you're going to take a Nylander. And let's face it, the Leafs aren't going to be able to keep all these forwards. You move a Nylander, maybe a first-round pick, something else to get Subban. If the numbers work, if you're able to put it in, do you want him? 52% of you say yes, missing piece. 48% no, 
too many variables. And there's some tweets, too, on this that you guys have been sending in. Uh, we have from at Melchior underscore NL says, too unpredictable and would not survive the T.O. market. Look at Jake Gardner, for example. That's where I disagree. I think he could totally survive the Toronto market. I, in fact, I think he would thrive in the Toronto market. He loves the spotlight. He loves it. And he's a better defenseman than Jake Gardner. Let's be honest. His numbers are exceptional. He's an upper echelon defenseman. So I think I wouldn't worry about the media. I think he could definitely take that on, no problem. Have from at MM Markwell says, No, PK is great, but I don't think the Leafs need his style of play on the back end. Also, don't think his larger-than-life personality is a fit on this Leafs team. It's not a bad thing, just not on this team. Fair comment. And that goes to Mike Babcock and what he thinks fits in this locker room. For P.K. Subban, talent-wise, if you can get him at a controllable contract... Hey, listen, folks, you, if you want top-end defenseman, you're going to pay $9 million bucks, maybe more. That's what you're going to pay. So you can't in one breath say you want a true number one defenseman and then cringe at $9 million. No, you just can't bring him in. you got to ship out some salary, make some maneuvers, right? I get that. But if it all works out, I'd be on board. Let's go. At Belief with JB on Twitter says Subban is one of the best defensemen in the league in my opinion so you have to at least explore it and find out what they'd want in return but it's likely to cost us too many of our key young talents price is key right to, to see what the Preds want back if they're asking ridiculous things then of course you don't but the whole point of devising this question was they might need to move PK Subban Again, the salary cap's only so high. Roman Yossi's going to be due for a payday. What if he gets bumped up to 9 mil? Well, you add on another 4 to $5 million on that $25 million invested in the back end. You're going to have $30 million bucks in your defenseman? Whew. Maybe they don't want to do that. Maybe they feel, being the defensive factory that they have been, that you can do without P.K. Subban and get something back. Add a draft pick. A first rounder. Add some scoring punch up front. All depends what the price is. I get that. All depends what the price is. Uh, for on Twitter, hashtag thank you, Damar. Uh, obviously, yes, I would for adding Subban. However, I know the asking price would be ridiculously high. It would require a major package of several guys with key pieces like Nylander and other young stars, plus some of her top prospects. So it all depends on what the asking price is. And that's right. And that's the thing, too. You're going to have to give something up. We got to be real here. You're going to have to give something sizable up for P.K. Subban at 29 years old. Leafs are deep on the wing. If they want William Nylander, I'd do that. I would package him up in that deal. Now, we don't know what Nashville thinks of William Nylander, of course, but I would go and make that deal. So... It's an interesting question because there could be a legitimate want for the Predators to move out Subban with adding on Ryan Ellis to that big extension and having to pay Roman Yossi. It's a lot of coin to tie up there. It's a lot. So you can vote at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. Oh, it's getting a little bit closer. 51% 51% now say yes, missing piece. No, too many variables is creeping up. And that just proves the polarizing nature of P.K. Subban. 
Let's talk a little defenseman. We'll talk PK. We'll talk some value with my guy Travis Yost from TSN.ca, Hockey Analytics Analyst. Travis, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. How you doing, Andy? Doing well. And uh, Travis, let's start here. And we posed the question, and there's only so many characters on Twitter, so we, we, we hash it out. The Leafs' possibility to acquire P.K. Subban. When you look at how much money they have tied up now, Ryan Ellis long-term, you Roman Yossi is going to need a raise. Subban at 9 mil. If the numbers matched up and you ship somebody out like a Nylander pitch, whatever. If the finances matched up, looking at Subban's underlying numbers, the way he drives play, is this a move you would like to see or you think would be a good fit for the Maple Leafs? Uh, yeah, uh, P.K. Subban would fit on any team in the league. So he's a first-bearing defender, and there's, I don't know, maybe six or seven or maybe eight guys you would take over him in the entire league, and that's probably being a big conservative. I think he's probably closer to four or five. Uh, he is he is one of the biggest impact defensemen on both ends of the ice. Obviously a tremendous playmaker in the offensive zone. Super slick skater. Uh, the, the, the big piece, though, and I, I, I think I would – emphasize this to the nth degree is the financials really 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 come into play here Mm -hmm. like i wrote about this last week but toronto is really primed for a trade rental option because they have no cap space issues in 2018-19 but starting next year they are going to be up against it even if you assume the cap grows by three three and a half percent i mean you've got so many big contracts coming due um, in, in starting in 2019, basically all of their core gets massive raises, and you you can expect that those numbers might even go higher than we initially anticipate because it's going to compound, right, if they have another really successful year, and I sure. think we think that that's going to be the case. Um, they're going to eat into that cap pretty heavily, which makes Subban's contract a pretty tricky thing to fit in unless you're moving a Nylander or Marner out. And, you know, even then it's like, well, what does that trade look like? I think right. the biggest, uh, if this, if a trade ever there were to materialize, the biggest driver of it is the fact that Nashville's cap situation is a bit odd on the back end. I, they have a ton of money allocated, obviously, to their blue line, and understandably so. They may, they may have the best blue line in the entire NHL. Um, but again, you know, with with Ryan Ellis getting a raise, and you got Roman Yossi still there, and you got a lot of guys eating up a lot of time, and a lot of minutes on the ice, and a lot of money. Um, you know, his name will PK Subban's name will not leave the trade rumor sphere, I guess. But, yeah, I, I mean, that, that is that is a player I would certainly eye if I was Toronto. But, again, I, I, I do think that the Leafs are more primed maybe to take a shot at a rental just because it doesn't really mess with their immediate cap situation this year. In conversation with Travis Yost on Twitter, at Travis Yost, terrific TSN.ca hockey analytics analyst. So, Travis, let's go that route. Let's say the big blockbuster just isn't there. P.K. Subban's not meant for the blue and white. That's fine. But then... There's the value guys. There's the underrated ones who can do a lot. Maybe you're not going out to buy their jersey, but they make the back end of your defense good and just give a little more protection to a Freddie Anderson in between the pipes. Is there anybody you're looking at, maybe as you said, a rental or a future free agent or somebody in a trade that would make sense for the Maple Leafs? Uh, I got to be honest. The the free agent market right now, as it presents free agency anyway, is really really thin. Yeah. Um, uh, the the biggest signal point, not not to uh, you know, uh, just to, just to make a point here, you know, the Edmonton Oilers obviously had a huge blow uh, losing Andre Sekera for the pretty what I'm expecting to be most of the year, if not the entire year, with that Achilles injury, and you know, the first name that was kind of being kicked around for, hey, can we go get this guy? Was Lucas Spiza, which you know, 
Lucas Pisa had a nice kind of rebound redemption year. Probably, may, probably saved his NHL career um, with Vegas last year. But I mean, best case scenario, he's a number six on your team. Not, not really a guy that's going to move the needle in any material way. And I got to be honest, when I first saw it, I was like, "There's got to be better options out there than Lucas Pisa." And you look around, it's like mm, there, there really isn't. There are not <laughs> a lot of names up there. Most of them have been eaten up by teams already. Um, so again, I, I think if you're Toronto, it's more about looking at hey, what guys either are on these big contracts that teams might be looking to offload, or alternatively, what players are on expiring contracts that we can roll the dice with. And, you know, you, you want, you, if, you're, if you're really shooting for the moon here, I, I can't imagine it would ever, ever happen, but I can think of at least one defenseman on an expiring contract, maybe the best defender in the league. I don't know how Toronto hmm. can get him out of a out of a divisional rival and probably you know the the most one of the most hated teams, fan base to fan base around the league. But if there was any way that they could get their hands on a player like Eric Carlson, you've got to imagine that that just put away the Toronto Ottawa piece for a, a second and think about it. He's a player on a $6 million contract on an expiring deal where we are very skeptical he is going to extend with that team long-term. And Toronto has a ton of assets to true up a team trading that type of player. The tra- a trade between those two actually makes an awful lot of sense. Hmm. The issue just comes into the fact that it'd be very, very, very challenging to come up with a scenario where Ottawa would be ever comfortable doing that. Now, two counterpoints to that would be, number one, you know, I don't think Ottawa necessarily wanted to trade Mike Hoffman in the division and look where he ended up, right in the division, because San Jose said, yeah, we'll take him and we're going to pass him right back through to another team and maybe Toronto can make something work like that. Uh-huh. Um, the other piece is, what if, what if the Maple Leafs actually got into the market and made a really, really compelling offer? Like, And we know, one of the things that we have to assume at this point um, is that the offer, the right offer just hasn't been there yet for, for number 65. And if, if Toronto comes over the top of a Vegas or, you know, Tampa Bay and says, okay, we actually want to be the team that rolls the dice on winning a Stanley Cup this year, maybe that makes sense. Again, I, I, it seems like a long shot, and that's because it is. But I, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, you're, you're going to get to a point where both teams might be a little bit desperate, and usually desperation is actually a driver for some of these types of trades. Yeah, absolutely. And Travis, I wonder too for the Maple Leafs if they're going to maybe take a bit of a wait and see to to look at what they have. Uh, Zaitsev healthy, uh, more uh, in particular a Travis Dermott, thirty-seven games last year, so not even half a season. But his Corsi four percentage, fifty-four point five. You'd love to see what that would look like over an entire season. Do you think they might be waiting and saying, hey, maybe on the back end, maybe we're okay if these guys all start developing? Uh, I, I think that's partially true. Um, Travis Dermott, for sure, I'm really excited about. Yeah. I, I think in the in the limited minutes that he did see with the big league team last year, he looked every bit the part of mm-hmm. a guy who could probably squeeze into a second pairing uh, long-term by this season. Um, I, I, my full expectation is that Toronto not only starts him, with, uh, you know, puts him in the lineup to start the year, but that he's going to win one of those six spots. But at the end of the day, you know, the Leafs are still look, staring down the bar- barrel of multiple expiring contracts on the back end. Nikita Zaitsev, look, the, the Leafs have made, made a lot of right decisions. A lot of things have went well for them. And I know he was banged up last year, but that contract doesn't look great right now. I, I don't know that he's giving you six twenty-seven. Six, I think he's four or four and a half million a year. I, I just don't see him giving that type of value. I don't think he's a great defensive player. 
He doesn't add a lot of offense, obviously. Um, you can live with him in your lineup. He's probably a bit overpaid at this point. I don't think he's developed the way that Toronto thinks he was going to develop. Um, but even said, like, you know, put him aside. Maybe Derma takes a step forward and you still got Riley and Gardner. Like, there, there's still a, a, a mix there. But again, it comes back to the same issue that we had last year, which is you're generally just saying, all right, let's run it back with this blue line. And this blue line is more or less what undid the Leafs more often than not. I mean, they, they had defensive for a good, a slash very good hockey team last year. They had a lot of defensive challenges. And, you know, that's kind of the trade off. When you have a really talented forward core that wants to play up tempo and has the skill and, and obviously capability to score a ton of goals. It's going to put pressure on your comparatively young and cheaper blue line because you're playing in a hard cap environment to perform. And you know, to some to some degree, you kind of sympathize with their with their defensive group because they're kind of putting a little bit of a bind. But you know, that said, these, uh, every team in the league has to deal with those same types of restrictions. And there are many teams around the league who have better defensive groups than the Toronto Maple Leafs. That was true last year, and that's going to be true going into this year. So. You know, I again, we we kind of expected the Leafs to make a move last year. They didn't, um, I, but I don't I don't think that changes. You know, I, I they they're still going to want to see their internal guys first, and I think that's a perfectly reasonable strategy. But I think as you see the wins start piling up, and as you start seeing more and more confidence built with that front office, that hey, we could maybe win a win a cup or at least make a deep deep push this year. I think you're going to see more pressure on going to get a guy, another guy on the blue line, especially with the long-term vision of that of that defensive group completely unknown at this point. Well, it's going to be interesting to track and see what the Leafs do on that back end. Travis, thank you so much, man. All right, man. Take care, Eddie. All right, Travis Yost. Find all his great work on tsn.ca. He did a great piece, too. He tweeted it out uh, at Travis Yost on the impact that signing bonuses will have going into the next labor discussion between the NHL and NHLPA, and the huge discrepancy. The Maple Leafs had like 40-plus million dollars more in signing bonuses than the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's crazy. Check it out. And all his great work there on tsn.ca. Fantasy football time, folks. After the break, Rich Dotson, founder of DynastyNerds.com, to talk about quarterbacks, tight ends, defense, and special teams rankings heading into your fantasy football draft. If you have any questions... You can tweet in at AndyMC81 at Dynasty Rich. Rich Dotson, Fantasy Football, next on TSN 1050. Get us on Twitter at AndyMC81 at TSN 1050 Radio. You can vote on our show poll. Would you like the Maple Leafs to acquire P.K. Subban? On the surface, you might think, well, Andy, of course. Why the heck would I not want him? Well, our poll says something different. 53% says yes, he's the missing piece. 47% no, too many variables. And the biggest thing comes down to, for the people voting no, at least in the replies on Twitter, at AndyMC81, is money and personality. That he might get, his personality might get swallowed up in the city, be too much pressure on him, there's too much on him, nine million bucks. And the money for me is the main thing. That guy can handle the pressure. Okay? P.K. Subban can handle it. It comes down to the money. And of course, you can only make that deal... If you're sending stars back the other way, you're not going to get a first-pairing defenseman for nothing. You're going to have to pay. Maybe it's a William Nylander who's going to be owed a bunch of money. Right? Him and Kyle Dubas, maybe. If there's a, if there's a bridge deal now, maybe William Nylander could be that type of guy before he starts making the really big bucks. 
Because the Leafs can't have everybody there, and they have young wingers who are cheaper. You have to have that balance. The Nashville Predators could use some more scoring up front. They're really deep on defense. You're going to have to pay the captain, Roman Yossi, on an extension. You just signed yesterday, Ryan Ellis, to a big extension. 25, and after Yossi is re-signed, probably upwards of $30 million tied up in defense. It's too much. So that's why it's, it's a question and a conversation worth having. Because if you can do that, you're probably going to have to give up some picks. But I think now with the Maple Leafs, as a fan base, we have to be comfortable with, okay, if I'm going to give up a first-round pick that's in the 20s, fine. If I have to give them up in multiple years, I think I'm at the point where I might be comfortable doing that. Because you're now in the mindset of winning now. We can't be scared. We can't say, oh, the future. The f-. I'm tired of the future. The future's been coming since 67. Future's now. The good teams go for it. The good teams make the sacrifice because ultimately, like look at Chicago and L.A. now. Chicago's no good. Think their fans, Blackhawk fans, like, man, too bad we got those Stanley Cups. Now we're screwed here. No. You take the Cups. Then you figure it out later. I'll take a championship. And a couple years after that, if you got to rebuild and you're in salary cap hell, figure it out. At least you got the championship. To me, it's always more important to go get the title. You can wring your hands and worry about draft picks and future stars and all that all you want. If you have a chance to get a guy and win now, go do it. And if P.K. Subban's not in the cards, then maybe one of the options Travis Yost brought up. And if you missed that, you can check it out on tsn1050.ca and we'll retweet the interview at tsn1050radio. Uh, Travis always gives great information on salaries, the underlying numbers, who might be an option if you can't go get that top-pairing guy, which, yeah, there's six, seven of those guys in the league. So if you have a chance to get one, go get them. Really improve that defense. You can vote on that at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. Again, 53% yes, 47% no for P.K. Subban. Going to be chatting with Rich Dotson, founder of DynastyNerds.com, in just a, a couple of minutes. Getting ready for fantasy football season. NFL second preseason week is gearing up. It'll start up tomorrow. And we're going to do this in a two-part fantasy football draft prep over the next two days. Okay, This is, this is going to be our prep kit, folks. We're going to do this together. Today, it'll be quarterbacks, tight ends, and DST, defense and special teams. So with Rich, we'll go over top three ranked quarterbacks and a sleeper. If you're stuck in that middle round, man, and your guys are gone, Aaron Rodgers is taken, you know, Gronk and Travis Kelsey are taken, where do you go next? So we'll go quarterback, tight end, DST today, tomorrow with Jake Seeley from Fantasy Network and The Athletic. We'll do the other positions, running back and wide receiver. Top three and a sleeper. And again, if you guys have any questions, Richard will be coming up in just a moment. You can tweet me at AndyMC81 and at DynastyRich on fantasy football uh, questions there. And yeah, we'll, we'll get ready. Again, I'll recommend this. Don't do your draft before the third preseason game. Otherwise, you're going to have guys get hurt. All right. Let's go to the line here. Rich Dotson, founder of DynastyNerds.com on Twitter at DynastyRich. Rich, welcome, man. How's it going? 
Great, Andy. Always good to be back on and talk some fantasy or some fantasy football with you guys. Oh man, always a pleasure to have you. And let's let's get right into it here. So today we'll do quarterbacks, tight ends, and DST. The top three ranking, and then. A sleeper. When you're ranking your one, two, three, you have to include the names, of course, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, uh, Tom Brady. Who are your top three fantasy QBs going into the year? Well, to me, the clear-cut number one is always going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's number one. Uh, I highly don't recommend drafting a quarterback before the sixth round at the earliest. Rodgers is the one person I'd make an exception for. and I'd take him right around the fourth round. Now, So he's number one. Yeah, number one. Who do you got next? Number two, um, a lot of people are going to say Russell Wilson. I'm still going with Tom Brady. Hmm. Uh, you know, when, as long as he has Robert Gronkowski, they're going to be a touchdown scoring machine. He has that offense down to a T. They're going to move the ball. He's about as safe as it gets. I'm still going to take Tom Brady with the upside, and I'm going to take Russell Wilson at number three. At number three. And the thing with Tom Brady, too, is, Rich, that's so unique with him, is he doesn't need fantastic weapons. He makes the people around him great. Like, he elevates no names into stars, so it almost, to a certain extent, doesn't matter because you know he's still going to put up the numbers, right? Absolutely, and you're a good value. A guy like Chris Hogan this year, Andy, is a tremendous value in fantasy football leagues. A lot of people aren't going to take him because, you know, he's not a big-time name, but he's somebody who's a good deep throw with Tom Brady, who's going to link up with, who knows the system, they have a rapport, who's going to score a lot of fantasy points. Now, where are you putting... A Deshaun Watson coming off the injury, tore up the league for a, just a few games, and we've seen the kind of Russell, or not Russell, the RG3 type where come in, mobile guy gets hurt. Sometimes it takes guys longer. Are you buying Deshaun Watson as an early quarterback pick? Again, like early when you're going to take him after the sixth round. Yeah, I mean, I like Deshaun Watson, but the numbers that he put up last year before getting hurt, those were not sustainable. Those were not going to exactly. hold up. He's not going to be throwing that many touchdowns. So I like Deshaun Watson, but for me, I have him right around five, number six, because there's some gamble there. As long as you have DeAndre Hopkins, you're in a good spot. But I think you know the best value, you know, I'm not taking him ahead of Andrew Luck. Uh, Andrew Luck, to me, is one of those guys this year that's the guy I'm targeting every single league, Andy, is Andrew Luck. You can get him right around the eighth the eighth, uh, eighth round of your draft. The guy since 2015 has averaged 20.2 fantasy points per game, which is good for the last year. Quarterback four overall. Going to be healthy. Going to be steady. No need to invest a high pick in a quarterback when you can simply wait to the eighth round and get a guy like Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Now, where does Cam Newton fit in? Because, Rich, obviously we know he can do it with his legs as well as his arm. Put up 754 Rushing yards last year, 22 touchdowns, 3,300 passing yards. You're really getting that mix and that dual threat in Cam Newton. Where do you have him? Because he's always enticing, especially with some improved weapons around him. Yeah, same spot, right around six, number seven, which Mm. is low for Cam Newton because he finishes every year as the top four fantasy quarterback because of those rushing yards. You know, they say, they said last year, hey, we're going to take some. Uh, carries away from Cam Newton. We're not to run the ball as much. And then he had career high in rushing, <laughs> in rushing yards. So what are you going to take away from that? His receiving core is going to be a rookie receiver in D.J. Moore out of Maryland. And then you have Devin Funchess, the former tight end out of Michigan, who had a bump last year in fantasy production. But that bump strictly became because he got rid of Kelvin Benjamin. Greg Olson got hurt. You know, Once Olson came back, his numbers dipped in half. So their number one receiver is going to be their tight end and Greg Olson. And I'd say Christian McCaffrey, then Calvin Benjamin, or uh, Devin Funches. So there is some risk. There's always some risk about Cam, about who's going to throw the football to you. But you're right. The rushing yards is where the bread and butter comes in. So for me, I'd rather come away with a pure passer than Cam Newton because there's some risk there because you're relying on those rushing yards. 
But still, he's still right around anywhere from pick four, five to seven is a safe spot for him. And finally, on the quarterback side, Rich, who's a sleeper? I'll tell you mine first. Let me know what you think of this. Matthew Stafford, 10th year. He's always good to very good. And a couple years ago, he was even in the MVP conversation until he hurt his thumb. But this is a guy consistently puts over 4,000-plus yards. He's always good for high 20s touchdowns, sometimes low 30s. And with him, the Detroit offense around him has seemed to improve a little bit. Like Matthew Stafford just seems like a nice, steady, plug him in and forget about him. Yeah, he's a steady guy. Probably going to finish year in, year out, anywhere from quarterback six to about eight, somewhere right around there. So he's he's one of those steady guys in that Jim Bob Cooter offense that loves to throw the football a ton. I mean, come on, listen, here they haven't had a 100-yard rusher since the first Obama administration. So <laughs> they're desperate for a rusher, and they bring their rookie, Kieran Johnson, in, who can catch the ball as well. So it's going to give a nice boost to Matt Stafford because, you know, sometimes you have to respect the pass a little bit more. So I like Stafford. It's not a bad pick. It's just for me, it's hard for me to visit him as a sleeper because he's always right up there as, as you know, mid to late QB1 numbers as they are. I like Jared Goff this year, okay. Andy. You know, last year he finished his quarterback number 11. They, they have popped early there, so you got to respect the run who caught a lot of footballs last year. They bring in Brandon Cooks. They have Robert Woods, both really good deep threats. And he has a really good rapport with second-year receiver Cooper Cup, who is a consistent chain mover. So I think the things are lined up really well there in L.A. for Jared Goff to get a bump from quarterback number 11 overall to kind of get in that middle of the pack, potentially a little bit higher, if you get added to a little bit more of those touchdowns. So I like Jared Goff as a really good value sleeper this year. In conversation with Rich Dotson, founder of DynastyNerds.com, on Twitter, at DynastyRich. Okay, quarterbacks are done. Let's move to tight end. And we know the conversation always begins and ends with Rob Gronkowski. The question always, when he's healthy, he's great. But he misses a lot of time. Is Rob Gronkowski going into 2018 still worth the risk? Absolutely. If you took Rob Gronkowski at the very end of the first round or high high in the second round, I'm not going to argue that pick. The guy is literally in a league of his own. You know, there's tight end one. That's that tier. It's Rob Gronkowski. And then there's another tier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the injuries come and go. But, I mean, sometimes that's been a little bit overblown with Gronk. He does miss time. But a lot of players miss time. I mean, sure. are you going to not take certain running backs because running backs miss a lot of time? I don't think so, because the, the point differential between Rob Kowski and tight ends number six, per se, is going to be pretty drastic on a very large scale. He's going to be the number one weapon in that offense this year. I love Rob Kowski locked in as tight end one overall. He's the only tight end I would listen to at a, as a back-end first-round pick. He's also the only tight end I'd listen to to be a nice high-end second-round pick. Love Rob Kowski to be a target in just about every single format. So we'll put Gronkowski as your tight end one. Who are numbers two and three in your rankings? So I have number two. You know, a lot of people's tier for number two tier is going to be two guys. It's going to be Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey. I love that Travis Kelsey all by himself as the clear-cut number two there in Kansas City. Going to be a nice safety net there for Pat Mahomes as well. Love Travis Kelsey. Been really healthy these last couple of years. Hasn't missed a game. So I'm going to put Travis Kelsey there as number two. And Zach Ertz is my number three right now, but I'm going to tell you, Andy, I'm a little bit nervous. Hmm. They drafted Dallas Goddard this year, who is my number one tight end coming to the league. So far, in, the, in all their practices, he's been scoring touchdowns every single day. Oh. And I'm worried he's going to start taking away some touchdowns away from Zach Ertz and away some, for some of those targets. Zach Ertz has a nice contract that they can get out from after this year. 
and Dallas Goddard might be the future there. So it kind of worries me a little bit about Zach Ertz. Um, you know, so I, I'm going to put him a little bit closer to a guy like Evan Ingram coming to this year and Greg Olson. But Zach Ertz right now, as of today, is still my number three overall tight end. And that's interesting, Rich, because... Yeah, do you then maybe think, all right, for a Dallas Goddard, maybe that is not your primary tight end, but as a depth guy that you add later on in the draft, a name that's probably going to fly under some radars, you scoop him up. He could be a real stud if he pops. Yeah, he he could pull into that like Tyler Eifert year from 2015 or so where Tyler Eifert scored 13 touchdowns, but he only had like 500-something yards or whatnot. I mean, he's scoring a touchdown, you know, if he can get double-digit touchdowns, Dallas Goddard's going to be a viable asset to a spot start guy. So that would be stashed as a late-round tight end in just about all formats. Where do you put Jimmy Graham? Because he's one of those guys, name-wise, almost falls into a little bit of a Des Bryant situation for me in that you just hear the name, you're like, he's great! And then you look at the numbers and you're like, oh my gosh, he hasn't had a 1,000 yards since 2013. Seattle didn't know how to use him. Now he goes to the Green Bay Packers. And this is a guy who, if he's healthy, we know he has the potential to always bust out where are you putting Jimmy Graham with Aaron Rodgers here, especially since Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem too happy with his wide receiver core lately? Yeah, you got, you know, if I'm going to sit here and say Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback, you're going to want some of his targets. Now, I'm a huge Devontae Adams guy, huge. Mm-hmm. But there's no player in the NFL that has led the league over the last couple of years in red zone targets than Jimmy Graham. So he is there. He's a red zone, red zone machine. And you're right. If you look at the yards, 560 yards, phew, thanks for nothing, Jimmy. But when you get to the red zone, and the, for a team like the Green Bay Packers that can move the ball downfield, he's going to be a very, very nice asset. Just how we mentioned with Dallas Goddard. If you give me double-digit touchdowns, I'm going to like you on my fantasy team. And that's right where Jimmy Graham might be. He's already clicking with Aaron Rodgers. Right now, Randall Cobb, who you know, missed time with that ankle surgery, is already missing some practice time with the short ankle, too. And you're right. Who, who's his number two receiver? We have no idea who's locked in after Randall Cobb. To me, it's going to be Jimmy Graham. you got to like Jimmy Graham. If you want to take Jimmy Graham over Zach Ertz, I'm not going to kill you for it. It's not a terrible idea. If you have him as a number four tight end, it's probably a little bit safer. So Jimmy Graham is right up there with the guys like Evan Ingram, Zach Ertz, Greg Olson this year. Most of you be a part of the system. Just like Eddie Lacy was no good. He's kind of a tub of goo out there. But he's been a really, really good system uh, and a really good offense. It's going to give you fantasy points. And that's what we're looking for here, fantasy points. In conversation with Rich Dotson, founder of DynastyNerds.com, on Twitter, at DynastyRich. Last one for you here. Uh, under defense special teams, Jaguars, Rams, Vikings. Those are the, the sexy top three. Are they yours? Yeah. And the Char- you can throw the Chargers in there as well with that pass rush. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think with the, the Chargers, as long as the injury bug doesn't keep coming up and bite them, they're, uh, they're that's, overall, that's it's a bit scary. Thing. Yeah, they're good. For me, I mean... I'm all about streaming defenses, Andy. I'm not going to invest a high pick in them. You know, the defense is usually my second to last pick just about every single time because I have no problem streaming defenses. If I draft Jacksonville, that means at some point during the season, I'm going to have to carry two defenses because I'm not going to cut them. Right. I'm going to cut a skills position player to get them. But to me, it's definitely a whole tier by themselves. Jacksonville and the Rams. You're going to be very, very intrigued about what the Rams did, not only for their secondary, but that defensive line as oh. well with Adam Sue. So I, I like the Rams. I like Jacksonville. If you're somebody that does like to target, the defense is a little bit earlier than others. You get that edge. I mean, listen, Jacksonville is scoring 30 points at times last year, and they're the clear-cut number one defense. So if you want that little edge on your team, those are the, definitely the clear-cut number one, number two defense, followed by the Vikings, followed by the Chargers. Do you have 
a defense that, and I'm, I'm with you, I like to stream during the year, but if you're going to draft one early, maybe somebody out of the gate, a defense that people might be sleeping on a little bit. Well, you know, the Eagles have a solid defense, Andy. Yeah. Um, as a homer here, I'm always going to pick the Browns. Yeah, boy. You know, they invested so they invested so much capital in that defense, bringing the number four overall pick, Denzel Ward. Darren Spitzel's had a good, uh, uh, a nice, very good, solid camp. But what if you have a guy like Miles Garrett? All of a sudden, comes into him, comes an all pro, and he's going to get you 15, 16 sacks with a, uh, you know, Emmanuel Ogbaye on the outside and the other side. So I think the you know the Browns, definitely they signed Jonathan Hankins, say they could be a nice little sneaky streaming defense as well. Sure. Uh, well, especially the linebacker course. Deep, you could brought Kendricks in. You got Collins, all healthy. Kirksey, Schobert, like that's one of the better uh, now possibly run stopper and pass rushing linebacking cores. Absolutely, Andy. Who's drafting the Browns' defense in your league? Oh, Absolutely no. nobody. No, <laughs> no I, I might at the end. I don't know, just yeah, for nostalgia. You, you, and, you and I are the two guys out there, and we're like, give me the Browns' defense, Super Bowl! And they're like, you're terrible, stop, yes. Uh, Rich, the insight is always great, my friend. Uh, tell people where they can get your get your stuff, uh, hear your work, and all that. Well, you know, you always check out the Dynasty Nerds podcast that comes out every single Wednesday. It comes out every week of the year, where we keep you up to date on all the fantasy information that you need. So when it comes, comes time to draft, there's no stone unturned, and you're ready to draft the best team in your entire draft. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dynasty Rich. I'm always here to help answer the questions when it comes to fantasy football. And, of course, you can check out DynastyNerds.com. Awesome, as always, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. Talk to you soon. All Thanks, right, Rich Dotson. Founder of DynastyNerds.com, as he said on Twitter, at Dynasty Rich. So there you go. Quarterback, tight end, DST, fantasy football tips. If you missed any of that, we'll tweet it out at TSN1050Radio. I'll retweet at AndyMC81, and we'll pop it up on TSN1050.ca as well. We'll take the break and come back to wrap up Toronto today here on TSN 1050. Had some great fantasy football talk with Rich Dotson in the last segment again. Uh, we'll have that posted on TSN1050.ca at AndyMC81 on Twitter. Get you ready for your fantasy football draft. We'll continue that tomorrow. Go over running backs and receivers rankings and sleeper picks as well. Let's get back into some baseball here. And we talked earlier with Scott Mitchell. Danny Jansen. Catcher came up. Two games played. Three hits, including a homer. Looking pretty good. Getting some pop back into the catcher position at the plate with a good enough defense right now, and hopefully that can develop. Keith Law, MLB insider, was on Landsberg in the morning with Akaz and Koliakovo earlier and spoke about the possibility of Jansen being the starting catcher next year. He has shown more than enough this year that the Jays could look at him and say, this is our starting catcher now for the next uh, couple of years. Again, assuming he stays healthy, but he's going to hit enough. I think he catches well enough. He throws well enough, given the fact that he's going to produce well above average offensively for a catcher, you'll live with the fact that he's never going to be much of a defensive specialist. And as long as Jansen isn't a disaster back there, right? That's what you you don't want. If you're serviceable, if you're good, if you can call a good game, if the pitchers are comfortable with you, that's what you want. You can add that plus side. Like Scotty Mitch was saying, 275, 280, 15 home runs. That's kind of the vibe you get out of Danny Jansen. Would you take it? I would. Compared to what, what, Russ Martin hitting 200? 201? Yeah. And then you still have to keep Russ Martin on the books for one more year because he's making 20 million. No one is going to touch that. So he's on as a utility guy, backup, jack of all trades type of thing. But you still get his mind to help mentor Danny Jansen. That is very valuable. 
So Danny Jansen, absolutely. Sign me up. This guy looks like he's ready to go, and he's had a nice start, albeit against the terrible Kansas City Royals, but you get that confidence up and get going. Now, Russ Martin has been playing some third base. Why? Well, because Josh Donaldson continues to be out. Keith Law also spoke about Josh Donaldson's future and trade waivers. My guess is other teams will probably have, they'll be redirecting some of their pro scouts just to go watch his rehab games, just to see, is it worth it? Do we think he can help us, even if he's helping us in some kind of part-time role, or we're not banking on him to play every day because he's not healthy, but, and maybe they could flip him for a second or third tier prospect, which may still be better than the draft pick they would get from making him a qualifying offer. And that's, yeah, really, what a, what a disappointing end for Josh Donaldson here. Right? Like, the idea was he comes in, balls out, Trey gets something good for him, and off we go, and it's just, eh. It's kind of limping along. It will be interesting to track what they do, and if the Jays ultimately do decide to try to make a qualifying offer to him on a... Because I think there might be some value there, depending about what you want to do at third base. If you do want to bring Vlad Guerrero Jr. up, and you do want him to play third... Then you don't bring Josh Donaldson back. If you want to play him elsewhere or you're not sure, then maybe maybe it's worth it. Now, the other prospect that came up with Danny Jansen was Sean Reed Foley. Starting pitcher, didn't pitch particularly well in his debut a couple days ago, but he's a guy that overcame a bad minor league season a year ago, rebounded nicely this season, and Keith Law on uh, Landsberg in the morning earlier uh, gave his scouting report on Sean Reed Foley in his long term. He lacks the third pitch that he's going to need to be an effective starter. If that came, he would be potentially a third or fourth guy in a rotation. At this point, though, I see a two-pitch guy who's going to have enough trouble with lefties that it's more likely for me that he ends up in the bullpen than in the rotation. And for the Jays, that's fine, but now, if that's true, you eliminate one of those up-and-coming prospects as a future starter, right? He was looked upon as being a guy that could come in, and if he can't develop that extra pitch, then, of course, there is value in having bullpen depth, but that's not, that's not very exciting. Maybe you have that one extra year next year in that rebuild season, see if he can develop a third pitch and kind of go from there. So Jay's Marco Strada on the hill tonight. Take on the Kansas City Royals. Let's wrap up with our Twitter poll here at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. Question is, would you like to see the Leafs acquire P.K. Subban? With the stipulation that something of value is going to obviously have to go back the other way because of the $9 million. Maybe it's a William Nylander. Maybe it's first-round picks. But if you can make the numbers match up, both teams can win here with the Predators. They offload an expensive defenseman that they have a lot of depth in, and they would get, if it's Nylander, some more pop in their, in their top six. A scoring winger. I think it makes sense. Let's bring in producer Joe Narsa. Joe, the poll's pretty much split here. 52% say yes, he's the missing piece. 48% say no, too many variables, and that has gone from being too expensive to that he'd be a distraction to that he'd be under too much scrutiny in the media. Yeah, I had a feeling he was going to be split down the middle because of just how skilled and talented he is and then the issues people feel like you get when you acquire P.K. Subban. And it's not really anything that he does specifically. It's just that P.K. Subban brings more glitz and glam to teams than when they're not looking for it. And we said he's the perfect example of like a wide receiver in hockey. His skill set, yeah. his ability to change the game is 
is magnificent, and when he's not on his game, you do not like his antics. It, it more so kind of his confidence in himself. Bit of cockiness. It can come off cocky. It can come off confident. If the team is winning, it's you, you might admire it. If they're struggling, maybe it can wear thin. But ultimately, Joe, for me, this Leafs team and Leaf fans, we got to realize if you want a top-pairing defenseman, if you want him, he's going to cost you at least $9 million in some way, and he's going to cost you, if via trade, a valuable piece. You're going to have to give up somebody you like. The Nashville Preds aren't going to say, oh, give me Kapanen. No. They're going to want somebody like Nylander. They're probably going to want a first-round pick or two. I'm, a first-round pick in the 20, Joe, if, if that's me to get Subban, take as many of them as you want. To be honest with you, I've been of more so of like the draft schmaft mentality at this point. because oh you. Well, here's the thing. When that happened in the 90s and everybody's afraid of that, you know, the wording, yeah. the Leafs didn't have a core. There wasn't a core built. There was no in- internal skill that was elite. They didn't have a pipeline. The Maple Leafs now have, in the last, I would say, what, seven or eight years, you've had Nazem Kadri, Morgan Riley, William Nylander, Austin Matthews. Travis Dermott last Travis year. Travis Dermott, Mitch Marner. And then you look at other players that they've acquired or even drafted into Connor Brown, training for Zach Hyman, having defensemen that are younger in Borgman, in um, in Carrick. signing Callie Rosen, and then even uh, drafting Timothy Lilligren last year, making a trade of a, a low first-rounder to get Frederick Anderson. You have depth. That That's the whole point. You now have a funnel, and you've developed a winning culture with the Marlies where you have that flow. So if you have to give up, the ultimate thing is... You can't always be playing for the future. And to your point, the Pittsburgh Penguins in the last three years or two years have traded their first-round pick at the deadline every single year to yeah. acquire a player that could help them. The Detroit Red Wings were doing nothing with their draft picks, and they didn't need to because they were winning Stanley Cups. They were competing for Stanley Cups. They were winning the Western Conference. The Maple Leafs are in a position right now where depth is not a valuable asset anymore because it's your core concern. is the key. Yeah, you're going to have too many guys, and that's why you get depth to a certain degree, is to trade it to improve on weaknesses and the defense, a top-tier guy, you're going to have to give up something valuable. If P.K. Subban, if the front office deems, and Mike Babcock does have some experience with him with Team Canada tryouts. Now, if he's not, if Babcock says, nah, not for me, conversation over. But if you think a guy who keeps improving, who's in his prime, can come in and help put you over the top to go make a run at a title, I do that today, and you can take as many first-round picks as as long as you want. I'm fine with that. I agree. So, and what, the biggest thing with a player like Subban, in all honesty, is it's what the Maple Leafs do not have right now. And to get that piece to equal the timeline that the core needs to win, it is a very small window, and the Maple Leafs are going to have to make a decision whether they're going to completely commit to this core, move a big piece to get something that fills the biggest void on this roster. Yeah. And there's some more tweets coming in. We'll get to that a little bit tomorrow. This has been a a great discussion. We have some tweets coming in. So I'll be back with you at 11 a.m. tomorrow on Toronto today. We'll pick it up there. Some more fantasy football, Jays, Leafs, Hockey, Raptors, NFL, CFL. We'll get you all teed up. So for producer Joe Narsa and Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. The Scott MacArthur Show is up next. You've been listening to Toronto Today here on TSN 1050.